0: We're in Ephesians. You can turn Ephesians 1. We'll get there in a little while. hope you brought your Bible. If you didn't, there's Bibles underneath the seats. Um, and you can grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, you can keep it. We love giving away Bibles. One of my favorite things is to have to buy new Bibles because so many people took Bibles. That's a great thing. So today, we're going to get to the text in a few minutes. Today, we're going to, we come to the end of the Apostle Paul's grammatically horrible, long, run-on sentence, that we've been looking at that's, that's been this whole section of Ephesians from verse three, chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 14. This long run-on sentence, where he goes on, Reason he does a run-on sentence, he's trying to describe something, and it's one of those weird things where words really fail to help to make him be able to do it, but he's doing his best to use limited human language, to express something beyond human language. He's trying to express and describe the blessings, the spiritual blessings, that are uniquely Christian that are available to us in Christ. And if there's one thing the Lord has pounded into my mind as I've been studying, because remember, you get to hear like 30 minutes on Sunday. I get to spend like 10 hours with that couple verses all week long, you know, and it's just idea, and I hadn't thought of it like this, these uniquely Christian blessings, and that so often we look at blessings the same way as the world does and say, well, this means it's uh, a Christian blessing. And we basically will say, basically it's health, wealth, you know, fame, whatever. But if that was Christian blessings, then Bill Gates would be the most Christian blessed person on the world, and he makes no profession to Jesus. Paul's trying to say, listen, there's other blessings, and they're infinitely greater than anything the world has offered. That's what we've been looking at for all these weeks, this verses 3 through 14. We've been to take so many weeks, just kind of channel them one or two at a time, that he's saying, look at all these spiritual blessings that are uniquely Christian. He calls them spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And that's what, that's what this whole long run-on sentence has been, been about. So today, we're going to come to the end of that long run-on sentence. And Paul's goal is to help Christians realize how wonderful it is to be in Christ. Because sometimes people have this idea like, oh, if I serve Jesus, I've got I to gotta give this up. Especially, it seems like young men. Oh, what am I going to give up? You don't give up anything to come to Jesus. You gain Everything and the apostle Paul is trying to have this goal here of helping Christians realize how wonderful it is to be in Christ and to help us move past settling for the things that the world calls blessings which are simply temporary and ultimately unfulfilling. So when you look at your life and you say, "Oh, and you say, what are my blessings?" Ask yourself this, are you simply naming off something that any person without Jesus can name off? If not, Paul's got says there's something more than that. Not that those aren't blessings, because God does bless the whole world. He makes it rain on the just and the unjust. He gives us the provision. But he's saying there's blessings way beyond that, that God has for his children. And that's what this whole long run-on sentence is about. So today, we're going to look at the last four verses of this of this sentence and see the last final blessing that Paul says is available to those who are in Christ. So Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 through 14 is what we're going to look at today. And I'm going to read them out of, the, out of the New Living Translation again. I know I may be messing you up. Some of you recently have bought new Bibles and said, now what's that translation you always preach out of? It's always the New American Standard. And for a couple of weeks now I've been reading out of the New Living only because it's just so crystal clear in saying what, it's, what, what the original text is trying to communicate. So chapter 1, starting in verse 11, says this. It says, furthermore, because we... Are united with Christ. Now, let me just point out something because it's going to make sense as I go through this. When he says we here, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles united. When he says us, he's talking about Jews alone. And that's going to come clear in the text, but you might not get that unless I point it out. So he's talking, he says, Furthermore, because we, Jews and Gentiles, are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us, meaning Jews, in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. And some of your texts say he sealed you. Sealed you. He identified you as his own or sealed you. By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. We'll stop right there. The end of this long run on sentence right there. And in this section, what Paul does is he kind of gives, in this first verses 14 or 11 to 14, he kind of gives a short history lesson. And you can just kind of follow along with the history he's talking about, about Jews and Gentiles. He starts in verse 11 by saying that in Christ, Jews and Gentiles are now united. And that's a carryover from the the sermon before we looked at, a carryover from this idea of these previous verses where we talked about at the end of the time, end of the age. Remember we talked about that two weeks ago? That all things we brought together under the authority and the unity of Christ. And so he's saying now, Jews and Gentiles, for the first time in Christ, are united because of Jesus. Then he explains in verse 12 how this happened. He says Jews were the first to trust in him, and we can see that from Scripture. We see that the 12 disciples were Jewish follow- Jewish people. They followed Jesus, and the earliest followers of Christ in the New Testament were Jewish people. But then verse 13 he says, but now the Gentiles, what? He said the Gentiles heard the truth. They believed the truth. You know, just hearing the truth is not enough. All kinds of people. You know one of the most the scariest verses in the whole Bible to me is, from the book of James? It says "The demons in hell believe there's one God and tremble. They, heard, they hear the truth. Hearing the truth and knowing the truth does not make a person a believer. But he says here the Gentiles, they heard the truth. Then they put their trust in the truth or they believed the truth. And he says then they were saved. Now it's at this point where Paul gets to this next blessing that is for any, available to anybody who is in Christ. He explains that the way, and he does it by talking about what's happening in the lives of the people. He says that the, the, explains that the way the Jewish believers knew that the Gentiles could also be in Christ or be saved was because they received the Holy Spirit into their lives. He says the same Holy Spirit that the Jews received at Pentecost. That was how these Jewish, um, these Jewish believers knew that Gentiles were genuinely in Christ. They received the same Holy Spirit. And it's interesting here, the word in the original Greek that it uses to say that they had received the Holy Spirit, and this is very critical here why he said it like this, is the word that, for the word seal. And that's why I pointed out that some of your translations say seal. Now, I'm not saying seal like the animal that swims in the ocean You know, not a seal like that, but seal, meaning, in their culture, a waxed stamp that was put on a document to show that it was authentic, very much like a seal that we get today from a notary, that when we need something to be say it's authentic and official, a notary has to seal it and sign it on a legal document. That's what he's talking about here. Paul says the seal of the Holy Spirit upon Gentiles is God's validation that they are truly His, and it's a validation of His promise that they will share in the same eternal inheritance with, the, with their fellow Jewish believers. That inheritance that is a future promise to be with God, that they're going to be with God forever, and that they're going to be in this in, environment with God without sin, corruptions, influence in their lives. So this last blessing that Paul says is available to those who are in Christ that's uniquely Christian, is the blessing of receiving the sealing of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. That's the last blessing. not available to anybody else in the world. It's only available to those of us who are in Christ. Now, church, I don't think it's any coincidence that Paul leaves this one to last. Because this blessing, once grasped, Will transform your lives. You know, I think he saved the last. I kind of like to say, I saved the best for last. I think that's what he's doing here. And I think the Holy Spirit of God is trying to get us to understand this today because he had a word for us in our worship service today, a prophetic word, saying exactly that, that he wants us to be sealed or filled with the Holy Spirit. So I think God has something for our church. I know he does. So it's something that we really need to understand. So let's use this remainder time of our time that we have today to talk about the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in particular, how to live a Spirit-filled life. Because that's the context that Paul is using sealing in, in this situation. A life sealed and filled, authenticated by the Holy Spirit. That's the blessing that Paul wants for all of us. Okay? So to do this today... Because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. Even in a church that talks about the Holy Spirit a lot, there's a lot of misunderstanding. To do this, I think we need to start with some clarification about being Spirit-filled or Spirit-sealed. Okay? Church, this is where we need to start. We need to realize something, that the Holy Spirit dwells in each child of God. If you are saved... The Spirit of God Himself dwells in you. Romans 8 tells us that that is the truth. If you don't have the Spirit, it says you can't say you're a child of God. However, and this is what I want us to focus on today, we often do not live in the fullness or the blessing of this life-changing, empowering truth. We don't live like we've been sealed, authenticated, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And our life, every average day in and day out, theology proves this. Because we pray prayers and we sing songs that tend to be theologically inaccurate. We sing things like, you know, Holy Spirit, come down. Or fall on us. Or come, I need you. When in reality, the Holy Spirit is already In the life of the child of God, he's always available. Yet the reality is, we often do not live in the fullness of his presence and his influence. We often don't do it. That's what Paul wants us to experience. The authentic presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's saying, this is a blessing that's for you that the world cannot receive. And friends, for that to happen, there is something we need to understand here. Something that I've said to you before, maybe a number of times, but I think it is, I believe the Spirit has shown me, it is the reason that the church of today fails to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's a misunderstanding at the very core about who the Holy Spirit is and how He operates. For us to get this, we have to understand this one critical thought about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. To live in His fullness, we need to learn to yield to the person of the Holy Spirit. But we usually think of the Holy Spirit and relate to the Holy Spirit as if He is a thing. Something that we can have certain amounts of. That fullness, friends, is what we think. Fullness is tied to getting more of the thing that we call the Holy Spirit. Now, I can understand where that kind of thinking comes from. In the Scriptures, in an effort to help us understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit... God, by the Holy Spirit's inspiration, uses symbols and imagery to explain the function of the Holy Spirit. So we find that the Holy Spirit in scriptures is compared to what? We compare him to wind. The Bible says, you know, you don't know where he comes from or where he's going, but you feel his effects. The Holy Spirit is like wind. And the Holy Spirit is described, you know, in, in scripture as, as water, that he's like a river or like rain that brings refreshment. And brings life. And the Spirit is revealed in the Scriptures as oil. The anointing oil that sets people apart for ministry. And the Holy Spirit is described in the Scriptures as fire. That purifies and burns up what does not belong. Leaving holiness and purity. And the Holy Spirit is revealed in the Scriptures as a dove. This gentle and loving and kind presence of God. Friends, all these images aim to explain... The function of the Holy Spirit. But if we're not careful, we can misunderstand the Holy Spirit from these symbols, and we can conclude that He's not a He at all, that He is a thing. A thing that you can have a large or a small quantity of. So I can have a little water, or I can have a lot of water. I can have a big fire, or I can have a small fire. I can experience a gentle wind, or I can experience a powerful wind. All these things, large amount or small amount. and We can, we can, we can begin to look at the Holy Spirit as a thing, as a commodity to have in portions. That, and we think this, that to be full of the Holy Spirit, I need to get more of the Holy Spirit. So we sing and we pray, come Holy Spirit, I need you. I need more of you. Let me tell you something, church. That's impossible. The Holy Spirit is a person. He isn't portioned out. I can't get His arm today and His leg tomorrow and His head the day after. The Holy Spirit is is a person. I can't get part of Him. I can't get more or less of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a person. And spirit fullness isn't tied to getting more of Him, but rather Him getting more of you. That's what spirit fullness is all about. It's not tied to us getting more of Him, it's tied to Him who lives inside of us, gaining access to more of me, flowing through every nook and cranny of my life, and taking lordship in my life. The Holy Spirit is a person and spirit fullness. Friends, isn't about you getting more. It's about Him getting more. You see, at your salvation, the Holy Spirit entered into your life. He came and He the Bible says this. He regenerated you. That's what the Holy Spirit did. He gave you a new eternal spirit life. As Paul's saying here, he sealed you as his own. He purified you, the Bible says, of your sins, and he made you holy, the Bible says giving the righteousness of Christ to you, imputing the righteousness, giving the righteousness of Christ to you in your life. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you if you're a child of God. And God's plan for you is for you to live in the fullness of His Spirit. Now, we can clearly see in life and we can clearly see in Scripture that oftentimes we don't live in the fullness of the Spirit. Right? Anybody get in an argument this morning? Their spouse, don't raise your hand. Was that a whole lot of love there? Was there patience and kindness, gentleness, self-control? Remember that old saying, when you point a finger, three more point back at you? I'm not, I'm not condemning. I'm just saying. Clearly in life and clearly in Scripture, we see that people who are Christians, who are sealed by the Spirit, do not live in the fullness of the Spirit. So the script, because it's true, the Scripture compels us to live spirit filled lives. So the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, something we're going to look at and whenever we get to Ephesians chapter 5. Which will be a long time for now. (laughs) Do not, four years from now, do not get drunk with wine. If we spend the next 50 years in Ephesians and it leads us into the fullness of the Spirit, it's all been worth it. And he says there, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled. He's drawing a juxtaposition, a contrast. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, obviously, he's writing to Ephesians. Who is he writing to? Remember the very first sermon in Ephesians? Remember the audience he's writing to? christians in ephesus he's writing to christians in ephesus who are living in a tough place don't get drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit he's saying to people who he knows has the holy spirit involved in their lives but you need to be filled with the holy spirit well paul's encouraging christians to be filled with the holy spirit because they are obviously not and the spirit is already in those same people how in the world can that be possible Friends, here's the key. It's because we can have the Holy Spirit within us and not be aware of his presence. We can have the Holy Spirit within us and not be yielded to his influence. In essence, we can ignore the Holy Spirit in our lives. You can get up this morning, you can run your entire life all day long and never surrender, or listen to, or even acknowledge the reality of the Holy Spirit in your life for one minute. We do it day after day, don't we? In essence, we ignore the Holy Spirit. Who's there? We ignore Him. If we're not Spirit-controlled, and we're not Spirit-led, we're not Spirit-formed, friends, then we're not Spirit-filled. The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit resides in the child of God. Yet His influence is proportional to our level of awareness and yielding to Him. That's what Spiritfulness is all about. You hear what I just said? The Holy Spirit resides in the child of God, yet His influence is proportional to our level of awareness and yielding to Him. Why do you think God sent His First follower said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're filled with the Spirit. And he said, go to a room, 120 of them, and just do nothing but wait. Why do you think he did that? Because the Holy Spirit's influence is proportional to the level of awareness and yielding to him. They were just sitting there saying, we're aware that we need you and we're waiting for you. That's what was going on, yielding to him the more aware we are of his presence and the more desirous we are for his lordship the more he will influence and affect us and that's what spirit fullness is all about spirit fullness is not us having more of the holy spirit it's the holy spirit having more of us it's about our yielding to his presence and yielding to his influence within us so when we are praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What we are really praying for, Paul said to pray for it, to ask for it, be filled. What we're really praying for is for the Spirit to His influence, for His influence to be greater in us than He currently has influence in us. We are yielding more and more to His indwelling presence and willingly and lovingly giving up control of our flesh to Him. Because of something. See, that scares some of you. Giving up control. You go, I'm not going to give up control to Him. You say you do, but you really don't. Right? Be honest. Pretend you have a mirror here. Look in the mirror. Do I really yield control to the Holy Spirit? You know the answer. Are we yielding more and more to His indwelling presence and willingly and lovingly giving up control of our flesh to him. You know why you can do that? Because we know that his empowerment and his influence is so much better than anything we can do on our own and anything the world has to offer. Any of the blessings that the world has are nothing. Bill Gates has nothing on you. Spirit fullness is so much better than that, but we, but we settle short. We don't, ever, we don't go after it because we say, but I've not changed for 20 years. I'm the same guy. Well, good for you. You're missing it. I don't want to be the same in next year. I want to be different. I want to be great, more greatly um, overcome by the indwelling presence of the Spirit so that He's flowing out of me. He literally is overtaking me because that's where the joy of the Lord comes in. What he offers is so much better than the world. The result of this yielding to him is what is where the blessing comes in. Friends, first, that blessing is seen in his nature. Think of this, His nature, his character, becoming our character. What the world's trying to get through all their activities, we get by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Where before we were angry or hateful or nervous, or fighting, or greedy, or scared. Now as we yield more and more to Him, praying for His fullness, we're transformed. Longing to be transformed, we begin to become filled with love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Could there be anything better on the planet than walking out of this place today and going, I just feel love inside of me? You ever walk up to somebody? You're at church. You know you got to love them, but you don't. You ever feel that way? Could you imagine if you were so transformed on the inside that you walked up to that person and you actually felt love for them? That's the difference. That' spirit fullness. because Jesus, when He walks up to him, actually loves them. He doesn't fake it. Can you imagine that? That difficult person, you actually feel love for him. That is spiritfulness. Because his indwelling presence, he's inside of you. And he's spreading his influence to every nick and corner. And he takes this thing of Mark, this unloving heart, and he goes, let me slowly begin to help it become more loving. And my heart becomes more loving. And all of a sudden, the person that I really would try to avoid, now I actually say, I love that person. I feel it. I will the best for them. That's spiritfulness. Feeling joy. You ever go to any of these Church picnics—that's Wisconsin's known for. Or how about state fair or summerfest? Ever go to them? They're okay, right? They're fine. But what are people really trying to do? I'm not saying you shouldn't go to them. Matter of fact, they can be a lot of fun. What are people really trying to do? They're trying to find some joy. Work hard all week. I need some joy. Let's go listen to Oil Can Harry play at. It's a Wisconsin band. If you're not from around here, you've been around here as long as I can remember. Oil Can Harry. Play at the Boat and Bill picnic. Anybody ever run to Boat and Bill Picnic? Thank you. See, some of you I've been to Boat and I got punched in the mouth at the Boat and Bill picnic. Well, I I hit the guy back a lot harder. That was in my drinking days. <laughs> you know what you're trying to find? Joy. Right? Could you imagine a life where you don't have to do that to find joy? You don't even have to run to the lake or to the to the woods. Or to the mall to find joy, but the spirit's influence is so real inside of you that you feel joy. That's what Spirit. Feels. Paul's saying, that's available, that he lives in there, but you have to learn to yield in love to him, because he wants to give you something more than the world could ever offer. Peace, patience. You got to fake patience with your spouse, with your kids? Holy Spirit doesn't get impatient with us. It's who He is. It's His character. What He wants to do is He wants to transform your character to His character. Where literally He's living inside you fully. That's what it means, fully living inside of you. That's what fullness is all about. His character overwhelms and changes our character. Friends, that's something only Christians can experience because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The world can't have it. But you can. It's a Christian blessing. So that the first way the blessing is revealed here is in this His nature, His character becoming ours and giving us everything that we really are looking for anyways. We just think we've got to go to the Boltonville Picnic to find it. Or to State Fair and listen to Mercy Me. That was great last year, but it didn't, couldn't It'd give me real joy the Spirit of God could give me joy in that that circumstance. But spiritfulness brings you real joy. Now in addition to the character being changed, as we yield to him more completely, giving him access to the fullness of our lives, not only do we begin to become different, but we begin to be able to be used differently. We become more useful to him with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we live in greater intimacy and connectivity with the abiding Holy Spirit, He is freer and more likely to distribute the gifts of the Holy Spirit through us. Gifts of healing, gifts of faith, gifts of prophecy, gifts of miracles. The Bible says this, the Holy Spirit distributes those to the people in the body as He desires. He is more open to desire to do that in you if you're more yielded to Him, He distributes the gifts so He can minister, bless, and edify His church and the world. You want to feel great? I know we don't live by feelings, but you want to feel great? You yield to the Spirit, you allow Him to work through you, and you live in a situation, even for a moment where you know the God of the universe just used you miraculously in somebody's life. Where the Holy Spirit just used you. And they say something like this. They say, how did you know that? That must be God telling me that. Or how did you know I didn't have any food and you brought food to my house? There is nothing that will make you happier, more joy-filled than knowing the God of the universe used you with his gifts. Friends, that's a blessing that only the child of God can have because God's working through his children, those who the Spirit lives in. What a blessing to be used by God. For all of this, it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. That fullness is not about having more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit having more of you. It's about longing for and yielding to His presence and His influence in you. That's the blessing the Apostle Paul wants all of us to experience. That's what he's talking about here. And here's my challenge. Let's not settle for less than Spirit-filled living. God was trying to communicate that to us today. Let's not settle for less than Spirit-filled living. God has more for those who are in Christ than those who are not in Christ. Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis, challenging Christians. He says this, and I think he's exactly right about this, so I could put my name and say Mark is, but he says, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, you can live and die and accept Jesus and go to heaven. You can, without walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But it'll be like a person living in a slum making mud pies when God offers us something so much more. He offers us a holiday at the sea Something infinitely greater, infinitely more joyful than anything you can do in the world. For us as Portview, view, I just hope that we won't be pleased, we won't be satisfied with what everyone else in the world can have without Jesus. You want to look at your life and you say, "Oh, I'm so blessed." Just say, "Can anybody else without Jesus have to say the same thing about their life the same way?" And if not, those are the general blessings of God in the world, and they're good. I'm glad because I like to eat. And food is for all of us. I like to have a house, but my very lost neighbor has a house too. You know, I like to fish, but I stood I stood next to a lady just talking to her yesterday who fishes all the time in port down there, and you know she uh, she's foul and I know her for years and smoking a cigarette, cussing like a sailor, and I'm going, okay, well we could fish side by side if I wanted to fish, but there's something more than all of that. Let's not be pleased and satisfied with what everyone else in the world can have without Jesus. God has more for us if we will ask and seek and knock for the Spirit's fullness yielding to his influence. So in our daily lives, we must take time. Friends, it doesn't happen by accident. We must take time to be with the Lord. To sit with them. Those, those 120 in them, they sat there for 10 days. You've got to take time to be with the Lord. To sit and be willing to ask for Him to broaden His influence within us. So, what I find the odor I'm getting, because I'm just barely figuring this whole stuff out, is I just got to let some other things go that are not nearly as important that I thought were important, but they're really not. And I need to go after what's really important. To sit and be willing to ask for Him to broaden His influence within us, and for each of us to gladly yield to His influence within us. Every morning when I pray through my, my morning um, confession, I call it. In part of it, I'm praying through a section of of uh, Scripture where it talks about I am hidden with I have died and I'm hidden with Christ in God and I'm hidden with Christ in God. And I picture in my mind almost this cocoon and I pray right after that about being seated in heavenly places and I kind of picture this, this, I'm in almost like this sphere of Jesus and I'm sitting in heavenly places with him and I say this, God, in this this safe place, I yield everything to you because I trust you. And you know what? I give it all to you. I'm not going to worry about anything because you're in control of everything. But I say, God, I want to yield to you. I trust you. I really want to yield to you. I say, God, please lead. Please fill every corner of my life because I want to lead. I want to yield to you today. I'm tired of walking on my own. I want to yield to you. Friends, that's what he's asking us to do. I pray that every day, almost every day, because I'm saying, I want you're in here you're inside of me but I can ignore you I want you to spread your influence to fill every nook and cranny of my life you know church maybe you're here today and you are feeling spiritually dry and empty matter of fact you've maybe almost given up on church you run here there every weekend you're somewhere else because really what you're just trying to do is find joy it's just a different version of the Boltonville picnic Honestly, it's all it is. If I just go see this person, if I go see that person. The reality is you're just feeling dry and empty spiritually. God wants you to ask him to flood your life. Maybe again, maybe you maybe at one time you walked in spirit fullness and you're not anymore. See, the reason Paul said to be filled ask to be filled with spirit, he said, be being filled. It's a continuous Verb, saying that we leak is what it's saying. We, we have fullness, but it goes out. We've got to continue to ask the Spirit to, to control us, to, to fill us with His presence. Maybe you were there at one time, ask God to flood your life, to fill every part of you with His presence. You can trust Him to do that. He wants you to yield to Him, to invite Him to fill you with His presence. Because He loves you. You know what I encourage you? I encourage each person in this place that right here, right now, you say, Holy Spirit, I give myself to you without reservation. I want you to control every portion of me. So I open up myself fully to you. And I say, Holy Spirit, fill me completely. That's what God wants. Suzanne, would you come? Stand with me this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and to find a place to pray around the front. I encourage you to do it. Asking the Lord to fill you completely. There's no room for arrogance here. Sometimes we go this, this way we go, well, I really got it all figured out. Do you? Let me ask somebody who lives in the house with you if that's true. I don't want you to ask Suzanne because you'll find out some things that I don't want you to know. fullness turns into patience and joy and love. Is that the hallmark of your life? God has more for us. It doesn't mean we never make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I encourage you to come and spend some time in prayer. With the Lord, and as you're praying, we're just going to pray together. But before I ask you to invite you to come and do that, I just say this one more thing. You may be here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus as your Savior. He loves you, He died on the cross for you, and He wants you simply to respond to His call. If inside of you right now something's going, I need Jesus, friend, the Bible says the only way that can happen is because God Himself pulling you to himself. You know what we do with that? We simply say, okay God, I'm going to come and we respond. We say, Jesus, come into my life. We say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to start brand new and from this day forward I want to live with you. It's about as hard as it is. Now it begins a pathway It's going to take you the rest of your life and all of eternity but it starts the first step. So you can do that in the quietness. a quietness. your matter of fact, I want to just pray for our family right now. That's you. I want you to pray along with this prayer. I'm just going to pray. You can just in your mind, in your heart, pray along with like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I know that I need you. I'm a mess. And I need your help. And so today, I bow my knee to you. And I say, Jesus, forgive me of all the junk in my life, wash it away make me brand new. I need You in my life. And so on this day, Lord, I surrender myself to You. And I ask You, God, come into my life. Make me brand new. And I want to walk with You all the days of my life. Thank You, Jesus.